<clears throat> well, last week as a congregation, we took a step forward. We chose to move into double services so we could have room to grow. If we cannot yet possess the bigger building, then at least we can double the room by using this building more completely or more fully than what we have been. And it's a step that was not made without prayer and without brainstorming. About a year ago, the leadership of Christful Gospel Fellowship sat down and began to go through it and say, so how is this going to work? What do we do? I know we approached the different department heads. We said, what is the best way? Do we want to have a morning service and an evening service? Do you want to have two services back to back? What's the best way? And the word came back from all the department heads, well, let's just have two services back to back. Let's do one right after the other instead of doing one in the morning and one in the evening. The thought was made that if we would have one first thing in the morning, those people that would come first thing in the morning would be able to have their lunch hours free to go meet with family during family meetings and family reunions and the ones that wanted to sleep in that lost the battle of the blankets first time around would be able to come a little later and still get the whole service. So we said, okay, well, let's do it that way. So we discussed this concept for probably about a year, and we knew the time was coming, but we weren't quite sure when would be the best time to step out. So we had a leadership meeting last month, and we said, you know, this is probably the time now. This is where we should do it. So last Sunday was the day that we first started, and we had several families that showed up, and they said, well, we're only here this week in the first service because it's time change, and we get that extra hour sleep anyway. <laughs> so we were awake, and we decided to come, and I thought, well, that's good, and we had a really good time last week. I found it a little difficult to teach two messages back-to-back, the same message. I know Ron mentioned that he had found it a little unusual. And, you know, we've talked to Pastor Jerry, said too, she said, you know, two child, the same child teaching twice, was, it was, it's a little different. It is a little different. But, you know, every time you move into a new place or every time you start doing some new things, it's a little different. It's not the way it was. You've had to break out of your comfort zone. You've had to change the way you viewed things, the way you looked at things. So it's different. But different is not necessarily wrong. Different just means it's different. I'm reminded, as we move into this new territory, what I would like to have the congregation be able to focus on. And that would be, why are we doing this? Because that's one of the things that will come. Why do we do this? You know, I used to be able to go when I'd come at 10.30, and then I was able to be out, and I was finished, and... But the main reason that we are doing this needs to be so that there will be room for those that are seeking Jesus, that there will be room for those that are seeking a place to meet, where they too can fit, where they can have a place to believe, a place to belong, and a place to become. You know, there's a lot of people in this region that are still looking for a home church. There's a lot of people in this region that are still looking for a church, they just don't know it yet. They don't even know they need Christ yet, but they knew. And they need to meet Christ, and they need to meet a place where they can fit in, where they can tie in to the body. And that is the, really the main reason we're doing this. I don't believe anybody involved on the leadership team would turn to you and say, well, we're doing this because we just have nothing else to do with our life. I don't think anybody at Christful Gospel Fellowship would say, well, we do this because it really makes us feel good to say we can have two services. 
It makes me feel much better if we can say, well, Lord, we could do twice the work in one service. But there is people that need to have a place to call home. And that's why we do this. When people get born again, they start looking for a church. We need to have a church. We need to be able to make room. We need to have room so we can offer them a place. Now, if we keep focusing on the fact that we have more room available so that our friends, our neighbors, our families will have a place to worship, any sacrifice we make to accommodate that is going to seem small. See, if we remember why we do things, then it's not a big deal sometimes. You know, I know when we were first starting to date and my wife and myself were getting ready and I'd pick her, oh, she wasn't my wife at that point, she was just my girlfriend. And, but I'd go pick her up and I'd notice that, you know, she has probably spent a fair bit of time getting ready for this evening. You see that every time somebody dates. They're dating and they're bo- all both dressed up to the nines. You know, they got their hair brushed, their teeth brushed, they got their clothes clean and new and pressed. Or, depending on their look, they have them all nice and wrinkled so nobody... (laughs) Hair perfectly messed and sprayed into place. (laughs) Depending on the look they're going for. But they've taken time to prepare because there was a special event and it wasn't too hard. But then you see all of a sudden people are married for a while. The house coat is so much more comfortable than getting dressed up. <laughs> yeah, it's hair. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the attitudes start changing a little bit, and it becomes too much work because we have forgot why we were doing it. See, when you're first trying to attract this person, nothing is too hard. Amen? You want progies every night of the week, dear? That's easy. (laughs) What? We already had progies last year. Do you know how much work that is? (laughs) Things change. Well, the same thing can happen in a church. You know, we start off, and it's exciting to be able to say, you know, we're doing this repair room for people. We're doing it because there's people that need to have a place to plug in, that need to have a place where they can release their giftings into the body of Christ. We're doing this for Jesus. But then after a while, it can get a little tougher, and we start saying, man, you know, it's hard to get up at nine or six so we can be here by eight for prayer. It's hard. Well, it's this, and we start looking at the inconvenience, we start focusing at the hardship instead of focusing on the present and what we're doing it for. And when we start doing that, we're going to start losing our joy. If we focus more on the work, more on the congestion, more on the less parking and the less convenience, we're going to lose our thankfulness for what God is doing. When we moved into this building... We ended up with 15 people on our first service. We went down to a little less than that, that one service. So we said, okay, God, this is now enough. And the congregation started growing. 
But if we're going to focus on all of what's so hard and so difficult, we are going to end up losing our thankfulness. When we lose our thankfulness, we lose our joy. It's very hard to be joyful about something you're not thankful for. You don't believe me? How often were you thankful for that extra pair of underwear that you got at Christmas time? <laughs> oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> But when we start losing our joy, our thankfulness, we will lose our joy. If we lose our joy, we lose our strength. Because the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I want to encourage each one of us to take time weekly, if not daily, just to reflect on the great things that God has done and is doing here. You know, some of you that moved in when you first moved from Winkler to Plum Coulee, some of you that were here at that time, and looking at Dan right now, Dan and Lisa were already here at that time. Dieter was here, you know, different ones that were here. When we first moved to Cooley, we can remember how great it was. We walked into this building, and the back wall of the building was right here. Right here. And then somewhere about where well, Leonard Alvina's role, Nova Bob's probably is sitting. There was the front of the platform because there was an office spot back here first. And then there was a stage. And then right about where Bob is sitting is where the platform started. And we said, man, this building is huge. That was already in the office. That was in the office, that window. That bar was missing because that would have gone across the stage. Yeah. But we said, man, this place is huge. <laughs> Not long afterwards, we we're out of room. We have to build. So we started de- re- uh, renovating. We put the office upstairs. We opened this up. We ended up the next couple of years later. We put another addition on the back so that we would have more room because we kept running out of room. It's been our history. Think of the great things God has done. You know, about 30 people moved to Plum Coulee, about half left shortly after because it's too far to drive. Silly people. (laughs) What is God doing? What has God done? But we start losing our thankfulness. We start losing our thankfulness. We start losing our joy. We start losing our joy. We lose our strength. And all of a sudden, it all becomes too hard. It's too hard to get up early. It's too hard to do this. It's too hard to do that. No, it's great because we are involved with what God is doing in this region, in this community, and in this time. So take time to remember how good God has been to us. Remember the blessings that we have received and then meditate on what is still ahead. Meditate on the fact that the new building is just down the road. Meditate on the fact that the new building is going to have room for the academy and the academy is going to be squeezed into little corners and under stairwells. That the academy will actually have room to train children. Meditate upon the fact that when we meet, you know, the sound booth, it's going to be in place where, you know, we've all got our wish lists, but I know one of the things is the sound booth is going to have room to be able to put all the equipment in and do all the recording that needs to be done. And, and of course, we're going to have the air conditioner right under the pulpit. <laughs> The youth are going to have a room. (laughs) As we... (laughs) 
So as we start meditating upon the things that God is going to be doing and that are going to be happening, you know, all of a sudden we're going to start recognizing why we're taking these steps, why we're going through these things. Is it a little more difficult? Yes, it's a little bit more difficult right now, but we look forward to the days that what God is doing in Christful Gospel Fellowship in Plum Coulee. And that's the place I really want us to focus on today. What is still ahead? And then begin to thank God for His good plans. Now I've spoken numerous times on Psalm 118, verse 24, and it says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now will, we will, means it is an act of my will. This is not just saying, oh great, I'm, you know, that's a wonder. It's, it's an act of my will. I will rejoice. I choose to rejoice. I set my will to rejoice and to be glad in it. But we know that this is the day that the Lord has made refers to, among other things, this being the day of our salvation. So today I want to revisit that same theme. Let's rejoice and give thanks because this is the day of our salvation. Our day is here. I see similarities between the nation of Israel coming into the promised land and between where we are right now as a church at Christful Gospel Fellowship. Just before Moses died, the children of Israel were once again standing upon the edge of the manifest promise of God. They had been here before, but due to a lack of faith, they wandered in the wilderness for another 40 years. See, they came to the edge of the promised land. They stood at the edge of the promised land. They saw into the promised land. But they said, we can't do this. This is too big. So they left. Due to their lack of faith, they went back into the wilderness, and they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they were back on the edge of the promised land again. Now, the last time they had stood at this place, they refused to cross the Jordan River. They refused to take the last step that would allow them to inherit. But 40 years later, they were finally ready to step into the blessings of God. So let's think a little bit about what happened as the nation of Israel stepped into their own land. They came to the edge of the River Jordan, and the word came out and says, Tell the priests to go into the water carrying the ark. Okay? The priest came up, they got the ark, the water is flowing, they stepped into the water, the water's dried up, and they were able to walk through into their promised land. But you know what a riverbank does? The first thing you have to do to get to the bottom is you're going to have to walk down a hill. That's the easy part. The water has dried up. They're now able to walk down. They're able to walk across. The first part, they actually have momentum with them. They have gravity pulling them forward. The very first step that they're willing to take, it becomes easier because they're going downhill. In fact, they're going to have to be careful they don't go too fast. But then they get to the bottom and it's leveled out. Now they walk. And then they come to a hill. They're not in their promised land yet. Now they've got to fight. Now they hit the inconvenient part. Now they hit the part that means that they're going to have to put a little bit of extra effort in. But the promise that is laying at the top of the hill, their own property, houses that they have not built, wells that they have not dug, eating crops that they have not planted, the promise of being in their own place instead of being a wandering people is enough to get them back up out of that river and into the promised land. Well, I think we're right now in the river. We're headed down. 
We're not getting drowned, it's dry, but we're headed down that hill and we're going with a little bit of momentum. But as we walk across the top, we have to be ready to push that little bit extra to not be weary in well-doing, but to continue to do what we know to be right so that we will reap the promise in due season. We are now headed in there, and I think we're just, I can just see the similarities, how we're coming to that place now where it's going to be ready to put a little bit of extra oomph and a little bit of extra push, but then to know that we can now relax in our own place. We can now relax in the promise. So as church, we've had a very similar experience. We have taught, we have heard, we have preached, we have hollered about what belongs to us. The prophets have come in, they have prophesied, and yet we've been very timid about advancing and taking our promises. Really, as a church, we've been very timid about stepping out, saying, okay, if this is ours, then let's do it. If this is ours, then let's go. If it's now time, then let's take the time. We have been timid and we've been holding back. We have stood on the edge and we have looked longingly at the promises of God. We have looked across that last step and we have seen what is all going to be there. You know, we've had the spies that had been there. They said, wow, you move into the promised land and you're in a land of prosperity. You move into the promised land and you're in a land of plenty. You move in the promised land and you're in a land of security, a land of safety. You don't have to work from miracle to miracle. You move into the promised land and that's the place where things begin to work for you and you actually build up your storehouse so that you don't have to wait for the miracle. You run to the storehouse and get what you need. You move to the promised land, and you know, we've had the prophetic voices speak. We've seen churches that have stepped out and done it. Well, it's our turn today. It's our turn today. Individually, people have talked about letting go of those things that were hindering them, their addictions, their habits, their hang-ups. But they still continue to play with those things. Yes, I want to move into a, law, to a place of freedom, but I don't want to lay this down yet. It doesn't come in. Yes, I want to move into the place where I walk in the overflowing blessing of God, but... I still like my pornography too much. Yes, I want to walk free. I want to serve God with everything that was within me. But I don't want to let go of my comfort blankets. I don't want to let go of those things that help me to forget what I want to forget. You don't have to forget about those things that you want to forget. You can let God bring healing to those things and they'll just fall away. But no, we want to do it this way. We want, to do it, we want to do it the way we want to do it. Never stepping out. Never being free. Standing at the edge of the promised land and shouting about what we want. See, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they had to rely constantly on God for, for food and water. Even their water had to be a miracle because there wasn't a lot of water in the desert. They had to constantly rely on God for their daily needs on a daily basis. It wasn't that God said, you know, every morning they had to get up fresh and they had to get the manna. They were not allowed to collect manna for a week and then just take it with them. No, God said, every day you get up and you collect manna. Every day you come into a new miracle. Every day you learn to depend on me because as you learn to depend on me, you're going to be ready to come into the promised land. But if you don't depend on me, the promised land is not going to be for you. If you're still substituting everything else, you're not going to be able to live in the promised land the way I want you to. I have taken you 40 years through the wilderness to prove you, to try you, to see what was within you. 
But it's time now. It's time now. Our day is now. So they always had just enough to get by, but they never ever came into the fullness of what God had intended for them. And unfortunately, many of us are still living in the wilderness today. We feel we have barely enough to get by on, but never enough to do what we believe we should be able to do. As a church, we've done many things, but still it feels often like we're just getting by. We really haven't moved into that overflow yet. We really haven't moved into that time where we have the storehouses built up so that all the things that need to be done can be done. See, God wants us to have everything that He has promised to us in His Word. He wants to fulfill all of His promises in our life. And I believe that as a church, we are on the threshold and we are stepping into and possessing the supernatural blessings of God even during this day. We are moving forward. We are stepping into what God has prepared for us. In Joshua 3, verse 5, before the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, Joshua spoke to them. He said, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Well, I believe the word for us would be today, Sanctify yourselves, for today God is doing wonders among you. God is doing mighty things in your midst right now. So Joshua was telling the people, get ready because they're going to get to a new level of living. They were going to experience a new level of provision, a new level of blessing. Joshua said, this is the hour that they had been waiting for for 40 years. This is the hour we've been waiting for, church. This is the hour that we've been preparing for. This is the hour that we're ready and we're ready to step out now. This was a new day for them. This was the pivotal moment for them. But I believe as a church, we are also at that pivotal moment, and we are the ones who get to choose our outcome. (laughs) Are you stepping in? You stepping out? (laughs) Are you doing the two-step backwards? (laughs) The Israelites could either go into the promised land or be satisfied with wilderness living. A lot of Christians are satisfied with the wilderness living. So likewise, we can either stay relatively comfortable, be satisfied with where we are, or we can rise to that new level with God. It is time to cast off the darkness. It is time to cast off the discouragement of the past and realize that the dawn of the new day is here and we are alive to enjoy it. I can remember when the year 2000 was being heralded. You know, everybody was saying, oh, you know, Y2K. There was going to be such this and such that. There was going to be catastrophes and hydro wasn't coming. I says, how ridiculous are you? Hydro would lose multi-million dollars a day if they could. You think they're going to allow that? Oh yeah, but computers, computers aren't set up for Y2K, so computers can't this. I says, I can manually adjust the date on my Commodore 64. (laughs) If I can do it, Hydro can do it. Like, let's not think, oh yeah, but you know, because all of this and that, and the power's going to go out, and there's going to be no water, and, and we're not even going to get water. I says, we live in Winnipeg in January. What is we known for? Snow. (laughs) You can make water out of snow very easily. 
But all of a sudden, there was this big panic as people started wanting to move backwards. We're moving into a new time. They were standing on the threshold. You know, we were standing on the time saying it's, you know, a, a, a thousand years has passed. And we're, we're the ones that are alive during that time. And we're standing on the threshold and panic wanted to set in. Well, I see the same thing happening often when people are being brought into the new place. Let's move back. This is safe. Let's stay. No, let's move forward and let's rush into the newness and see what God has for us now. We're on that threshold, but we can rush forward and we can start enjoying it. It's time to cast off the discouragement that has been and realize that this is a new day. It's not Y2K anymore, but this is the new day and this is the time of moving into the promised land. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 in the New English Bible says, In the hour of my favor I gave heed to you. On the day of deliverance, I came to your aid. The hour of favor has now come. Now, I say, has the day of deliverance dawned. Now has the day of deliverance dawned. The word dawn indicates a new day or a new beginning. So we are getting rid of life as we have known it. We are accepting life as God declares it in the light of the new day that has come. To be able to possess their land... The Israelites had to be transformed. They had to go from a slave mentality to a conqueror mentality. Nobody was going to do it for them. They were going to have to step out and do it. See, when you're a slave, then your master has to take the responsibility of defending you. Israel had lived in Egypt. The Egyptians took care of them, such as it was. They provided security. They provided the food that they had. They provided what they needed. Now that they were on their own, they were going to be in charge of their own destinies. I believe when God brings us into the place, He's going to be bringing people into charge of their own destiny. You're going to get to make the choices and you're going to get to choose whether you're ready to move forward or whether you want to move back to a place where everything is safe, where it's comfortable, where you know it. If we're going to receive what God has for us, then we also are going to have to change the way we think, not only about ourselves, but what God will do for us even. If you want to experience the place where the Lord can perform His wonders in our lives, we're going to have to change on the inside first and start preparing to let the Word of God sit in our hearts and then be spoken out of our mouth. Let the Word of God come into our hearts and be believed and then spoken so that it starts coming to pass in our lives and in the things in our lives. If we want to see the blessing and the glories of God, we're going to have to take His Word and believe that what He said is true, even if the circumstances appear different right now. It's going to mean we no longer can go by what our natural eye sees, but we're going to have to go by what our heart knows to be true because it's written in the Word of God. What does God say about you is going to be more important than what the banker says about you. What God says about you is going to be more important than what your parents say about you. What God says about you is going to be more important than what you have thought about you. You're going to have to start renewing our thinking. We're going to have to start recognizing all of a sudden that God has made a better way and a better place for us than what we ourselves could even think or imagine. So we change on the inside first. And some people will never rise to a higher place in life because they cannot see themselves any different than where they are now. Until you see yourself in a different place, you'll never move to that different place. 
For instance, some people that have suffered for, with a disease for an extended period of time cannot see themselves as free from it anymore. And they start calling it theirs. My arthritis. Huh? When did it become yours? Well, my cancer. Why do you want with cancer? Well, my. And they start calling it mine instead of Satan's. They start claiming it. They start taking possession of it. They start coddling it, making room for it. Well, you know, I really would like to, but my sore knees won't let me. My sickness becomes greater than my God. I would love to, but... And instead of being renewed on the inside, they allow these things to dictate to them where they will. You know, some people have been sick for so long they cannot imagine what it is like to be a healthy, normal human being. I know I went to pray for one fellow at one time and he was in a terminal position. And I asked him, I said, do you want to be healed? He said, oh yeah, I do. I said, really? I'm glad I have such a compassionate nature. <laughs> I says, really? He goes, yes. I said, that means you don't get out of bed and start working. You're not going to get any more handouts. Is that what you want? You want to carry your own weight? Thankfully, he said yes, and I was able to pray with him. But what if, you know, a lot of people, really, well, we say yes, but what happens? When people have been sick for a long time, they often cannot understand what healing is about because they don't want to be renewed on the inside. What does the Word of God say? What you believe you'll receive is what you're going to get. What you believe and speak out of your mouth is what you're going to have. The same goes with finances. You know, there are some Christians that have lived in lack for such a long time, they cannot see themselves as prosperous. Oh, we will never be prosperous. And then they make cute little sayings, like, I oh, I owe, oh, so off to work I go. No, I need to give, so I've got to go make some money so I can have something to give. Oh, yeah, you know, when my ship comes in, I'll be at the airport. Well, we're funny, we laugh about it, but they believe this. The good things in life are always going to pass me by. My family wasn't meant for this. You know, nobody in our family has ever graduated. Why would I start graduating now? Because it is a new day and you start believing what the Word of God says. And you start claiming what the Word of God says over you and over your household. But they become so resigned to being broke that they will never prosper. Why? Because they'll shoot themselves in the foot the minute they start prospering. What do I mean? They shoot themselves in the foot. Okay, we've got these things in line now. We've learned how to start budgeting. We've got our debt started paying down. We're coming to a place where we can breathe again. Let's go out and spend money! <laughs> huh? That's exactly what they do. When it comes to the place where they got a bit of wiggle room, they just wiggle right on into a new mortgage. Or a new vehicle. Or TV. Or vacation. Or swimming pool. 
It wiggles somewhere. Why? Because I can wiggle again. And then all of a sudden they're busy crying because, man, I just can't make ends meet again. Uh-huh. But they cannot see themselves as being prosperous. They cannot see, so they get resigned to being broke. And then the minute they start prospering, they'll put themselves back in debt. Other people that are afflicted with addictions can never see themselves as being free of them. You know, one of the first things that they do in Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, my name is Ben. I am an alcoholic. Huh? You really want to speak that over yourself for the rest of your life? I've been made whole. I was, maybe. But I've been freed now. I've trusted the power of God is going to change who I am. I'm going to begin to see myself the way God sees. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have been delivered from those addictions. I have been delivered from those things. They have no more hold on me. I'm not going back there because I have a life of victory ahead of me. And we're going to have to start believing those things and start reaching for those things and start renewing who we are on the inside and leave the alcohol alone. (laughs) Why? If you can't be free of it, then don't let it grab you. People have often asked me, do you still smoke? I say, no, I don't. I quit years ago. But because of that, I will never again have another one because I, don't, I have a funny feeling that if I would start messing with it again, I'd be back at it. Why? Because I enjoyed smoking. Oh my God, confessions. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I don't want to play with it again because I feel the next one I would pick up would probably start calling my name. I enjoy the smell of fresh cigarettes, not old ones. (laughs) Now, am I against somebody smoking? If you're smoking, that's your business. I don't want to do it. Because I know the hold it had on me. This is why we tell people, if you've had trouble with alcohol, you don't take that first one because it already mastered you once. Stay away from it. We would say the same thing with some with drugs. If you have you know, drugs, have, then stay away. Don't ever take that first hit again. Huh? Or cupcake. <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if you need to put little crosses on your cupcakes. <laughs> and you don't know, take the first one. And it doesn't matter whether it's food, it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol, whatever addiction you've been facing, if you've been struggling with it, then why are you playing with it? But they've been afflicted with addictions and they can't see themselves as ever being free. Well, if we want to go with another level of God, we're going to have to start thinking the same way he does. We do that by getting to know him on a more intimate level through his word, through prayer. So we need to renew our minds with the word of God and consecrate and prepare ourselves for the great works that he wants to do in and through us. See, God did not sentence us to just barely getting by. He planned a promised land for our abundance and he wants us to move into it. He wants us to have the abundance in our wisdom, abundance in health, abundance in love, joy, and peace, abundance in finances, abundance in power and strength. He wants us to be able to live in the more than enough. The Word of God is our way out. 
It is our way out of the mundane, barely getting by lifestyle, and into the abundant life. And that doesn't matter whether it's in your relationships, in your finances, in your health, in your, every area. God wants us to be able to move out of the mundane, barely getting by, into the abundant. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. So as we seek God's kingdom, we can expect God to add His blessing to us. In every generation, God is looking for people who will consecrate and dedicate themselves to Him so that He can show them His blessing. He wants to pour out on us His maximum, superabundant, over-the-top blessing, not the minimum, barely getting by, tokens of provision. So let's get ready. Let's sanctify ourselves to the Lord. Let's give thanks for the blessings that we have already received. And then let's give thanks for the blessings which are still being added to us. Our day is today. This is our day. So Father, I want to thank you right now that we have the opportunity to be part of what you're doing in the world at this time. To be part of what you're doing at Christful Gospel Fellowship at this time. To be part of what you are doing in Plum Coulee and throughout all of southern Manitoba at this time. We want to thank you, Father, that you are fulfilling your word, performing your miracles, revealing yourself to be the God that is more than enough. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.